You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1206 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Monday evening, and today's podcast was brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And also, thank you for making this podcast, Lawful Hunks Podcast, your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. If you like the video side of things, we can be watching me right now on that platform. Today's podcast, we'll get into what became a 132-123 to win over the Indiana Pacers on the road for the Hawks. The headliner being that the Hawks are now over 500 for the first time since mid-December. The Hawks were 13-12 and last time they were over 500, and now they are 38-37. and It's been a long, long ride. In fact, they had five chances before this when they were at 500 and went 0-5 and finally broke that streak tonight with a win that they were supposed to get in a lot of ways. We'll get into all of the context of why that happened. But at the end of the day, the Hawks have had some wins this year that they you know, could have potentially gotten and they didn't get. In this one, they held serve. They were up 11 at the half. They had this explosion offensively in the first quarter that kind of set the tone in this one. And it wasn't always dominant after halftime. In fact, the Hawks lost the second half of this game. Uh, but at the same time, they were able to hold on, never got too, too tight down the stretch. And we'll get into all of what transpired on the show. So coming into the game, it is worth reporting and also emphasizing, noting, et cetera, that the Pacers – are not very good. And uh, this game has to be evaluated, at least in my mind, through the uh, professional lens or the objective lens, however you want to say it, through that. Because the Pacers coming into the night were 25 and 50, which is obviously quite bad on its own, but also 30, 13 and 34 in the last 47 games. They lost the previous two games by, by a combined 70 points. Yes, 70 points. Pacers also had tons of injuries in this one. The Hawks, by the way, by the way sweep the Pacers this season 4 0. Um, a blowout win in February, a couple wins um, recently. They were kind of uh, close-ish. In fact, there was a game in uh, in March a couple weeks ago with the Hawks were pretty much challenged by the undermanned Pacers. But um, Indiana only had nine guys available in this game. And really, of the roster players that were out there for the Pacers, only two guys are definitely even rotation caliber players in the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. Um Obviously, the Hawks had some injuries, too, that we'll talk about. But, you know, no Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, Chris Duarte, T.J. Warren, Isaiah Jackson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for, uh, for Indiana. With that said, um, the Hawks were also banged up. And that was kind of one of the headliners coming into the night was that the Hawks were already listing Bogdanovich and Gallinari as questionable. Bogdanovich with, with right knee soreness, Gallinari with right elbow contusion that he suffered the other day on Friday night uh, in, a, in a loss and, and sorry, in the win. But... Gallinari was ruled out pregame. Bogdanovich ended up playing in this one and obviously playing extremely well, which we'll talk about later on. But then there was a, a surprise scratch of DeAndre Hunter about 40 minutes before tip-off. It was pretty close after the pregame, after the Hawks released their quote-unquote final injury report. But Hunter tried to warm up. and McMillan said that he just didn't have it, basically. Just had something going on with the knees, some pain, some soreness, what was going on there. And uh, he was actually asked, um, McMillan was about sort of his status for the next game against Oklahoma City and uh, didn't really give any kind of update beyond that. But Hunter was supposed to play. He wasn't wasn't on the injury report at all. And that left the Hawks shorthanded. Obviously, John Collins still remains out. So basically, the Hawks are missing their top three guys in terms of minutes at the power forward spot this year. Their top three forwards coming into the season overall. 
And uh, kind of interesting um, situation because you know I just talked about how bad Indiana is on paper. The Hawks, of course, have been bad on the road this season. Uh, coming into the night, the Hawks were 13 and 23 on the road this season, and of course, missing three of their top, I don't know, eight players. Um, so the Hawks being favored in this game at all is pretty crazy when you kind of look at look, look what was going on with their own roster. But then you factor in Indiana, and honestly, the pregame betting line was an indictment of the Pacers. Ended up being correct, by the way, which I'm not saying otherwise, but the Hawks were seven and a half point favorites going to bet online in this game. Uh, again, missing three of their top eight guys on the road with a 13-23 road record. Uh, and the Hawks, by the way, covered, although narrowly down the stretch of this one. So that's a lot of a preamble, but I want to give you the setup in this game. The Hawks had this awesome start, which I referenced earlier. They ended up starting DeLon Wright and TLC alongside Young, Herder, and Capella. That allowed them to have Bogdanovich like, in his usual role off the bench, which actually ended up working out very well because he was awesome in this game. Uh, the Pacers, if you watched the game a couple weeks ago, Trey Young had 33 points in the first half against the Pacers two weeks ago. Um, and at halftime in that game, Indiana elected to change their defense and basically start blitzing him as hard as anyone has been blitzed in the NBA in a long time. It's kind of a college defense in a lot of ways. Kevin Herter, by the way, in a walk-off interview at the halftime break tonight, called it kind of a junk defense by Indiana. And it's not necessarily the wrong decision by the Pacers, but you, you rarely see this. They really were t- sort of pulling out all the stops to make sure Trey wasn't going to beat them as a scorer in this game. And he didn't, but he was fantastic overall, which we'll touch on. He had 16 assists, a uh, season high for Trey in this one. But the Hawks got a good start. A 12-3 early run to go up by seven points. Capella had six rebounds in the first four minutes. Trey had a bunch of assists. Capella actually had two nice passes as well. A nice, nice pass and a short roll for an assist. Uh, Herter and TLC were both hot in the early going. They made their first five threes combined. They both shot the ball well, as well as Bogdanovich in this game. A lot of hot shooting from the, from the wings from Atlanta. And then later in the first quarter, the Hawks had a 16-3 run to go up by 15 points late in the period. It was about a 60-foot lob by Trey Young to Jalen Johnson for a, for a pretty impressive dunk. And here's the crazy thing. The Hawks opened this game 11 of 15 from three. One more time, 11 of 15 from three. Not from the field, from the three. And uh, given that they were already the better team, more talented team, and more inspired and motivated team, looking look for the playoff spot, all that stuff, uh, that is a pretty impressive and pretty kind of a daunting start for the Pacers to overcome. I will say, though, throughout this game, defensively, the Hawks are not very good. Uh, Atlanta allowed 24 points on their first 19 possessions to the Pacers. And the Hawks were only up by two pretty much like, I don't know, through like eight minutes of the game, even with the offense really, really cooking. Now they had that, they had that late run, um, but just kind of noteworthy that the Hawks had trouble getting stops the entire way through. Uh, rotationally, it was what you would have projected in this game, which is what I projected before the game started. It was a nine-man rotation for Atlanta. The starters, which, by the way, again, included TLC and DeLon Wright, and, uh, and then it was Bogdanovich, Lou Williams, Jalen Johnson's backup power forward, and then a Kongo as backup center, and that was the uh, nine-man group the entire game. In this one, the Hawks led by 14 points at the end of the first quarter. They shot 68% from the floor, including 10 threes. That's a season high for threes in any quarter. They hit 10 in a quarter, by the way, just like you know, franchise record, I believe, is 11 or 12 in a quarter. So pretty impressive stuff there. Um, also a season high for points in a first quarter with 44 for the Hawks. So that's uh, pretty impressive. Again, it is worth noting that this Pacers team, as constructed, is probably the worst defensive team in the league because just without going through all of this, their two best players available right now are Halliburton and Heald, both of whom are bad defenders right now. I know Halliburton's kind of a skilled guy, but Heald's a bad defender. Halliburton's pretty uh, pretty weak at the point of attack. So uh, not a huge surprise. The Hawks got a lot of points in this one, but still uh, they were able to make a ton of shots. They had 13 assists in the first quarter. Trey played the entire first quarter and had eight assists in the opening period. He was fantastic again. Um, 
Jalen Johnson, though, was kind of one of the bigger stories in this one just because he was playing, number one, but also playing well. Uh, we'll touch on sort of his overarching impact later on, but he had five dunks in this game. I uh, had four dunks in the first, like, 70 seconds of the second quarter. Um, the first three were, were sort of assisted dunks. There was a one lob by Trey, et cetera. But the fourth dunk that he had was actually a pick six that he got a nice steal on, good anticipation, um, and was sort of went end to end there. I thought he had a good stiff overall in the first half. A couple of defensive things to pick on for sure if you wanted to, sort of off the ball stuff. But his activity was really good in this game. I thought he played uh, better in this one than he did on Friday. There was a lot of attention, not not Friday, that he did, that he did in, in Detroit last week. There was a lot of attention on, on that game. I thought he was better in this one overall, both on offense and defense. Um, but the Hawks were hot from the floor still. They made nine straight shots. They did back to the first quarter to go up by 18 points. That was a large lead of the entire game, actually. It was early in the second quarter. And the Hawks at that point were shooting 70% from the floor. So there you go. Uh, Indiana had actually had a, had a nice little run later on in, in the period to go um, to kind of cut in the lead a little bit. And the Hawks ended up losing the second quarter. It's actually funny. The Hawks were up 44-30 at the, at the end of the first quarter and uh, quote-unquote lost the rest of the game. Uh, they only lost two of the three quarters, but still they were the, uh, I guess, the worst team and the at least on the scoreboard down the stretch of this one. But it didn't really matter that much because of the offensive barrage at the outset. In the first half, before we get to the second half stuff, the Hawks had a 143 offensive rating. Um, they shot 56% on the floor, had 12 threes. They had 20 assists in the first period. That is a remarkably high number, only the fourth time all year they've had 20 assists in any half of a game. Trey had 10 of his own. Capella had a double-double in the first half. And uh, the wing trio of Herder, Magdanovich, and TLC combined to make nine threes before halftime. So that's pretty prolific. Defensively, it was not great, which we'll come back to, but a 124 defensive rating against a bad team in the first half. The Hawks did win the glass on both ends of the floor the entire game as well as in the first half, but um, it was not exactly the most comfortable advantage for a team that scored 74 points in the first in the first half just because of the defensive end of the floor. Indiana scored at least 27 points in every quarter, and that's not what you want to see if you're Nate McMillan. So it's one of those uh, working kind of victories where you can get a lot done uh, in terms of instruction stuff and also be positive about a victory. So We'll get into all of what transpired in the second half of this game, as well as some look-ahead stuff to the rest of the season, as well as the standings, etc. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. This year, one of my resolutions was to actually eat right, and I managed to stick to that with the help of Built Bar. In some ways, it's not even really a resolution for me anymore because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. They have the protein-infused puff bars that are fantastic, all the other bars, and the fan favorites from Built Bar. They're all very, very good. And each and every bar has 100% real chocolate around the outside, which makes it a huge difference, and they taste fantastic. On top of the taste, Built Bars have low-calorie and high-protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve nutrition overall. Build.com has all the information that you possibly could need on the nutrition side. You'll blown away by all. And honestly, just as an example, most bars have only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a low calorie count. Built Bar also has long-time flavors like coconut almond and others, and also new flavors coming all the time. Plus, all of them are delicious. Best way to find out about Built Bars, go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 when you get there. If you do that, 15% off on your order with Built Bar. That is promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at built.com. Okay, we'll dive in now to the second half of this one. And it got a little bit dicey in a hurry. In fact, it was never particularly comfortable in the second half. Now, it was never particularly threatening either, but it was not a blowout at any point. The Pacers were within seven points pretty fast in the third quarter. Um, and they had some offensive flourishes the Hawks did, but nothing like the first half. They definitely made, missed a lot more shots. Um, they, they only scored 20 points in the first nine minutes of, these, of the second half. And it was a six-point game at one point after Indiana made a three late in the first, sorry, late in the third quarter. Um, some of that was that the Hawks just kind of stopped making threes. Now they still shot the ball, you know, decently well 
after opening this game 11 of 15, the Hawks were only six of 20 the rest of the way, which is not terrible, 30%, but still not good. And a lot of that was that they missed 14 out of 17 after they uh, had that hot start. They were still scoring kind of at will when they wanted to. Um, defensively, there were some nice moments. Jalen Johnson, a nice one-on-one possession against Taylor Taylor that ended up with a uh, changing of the shot. It wasn't a block, but he held his ground defensively. That was good to see him in a one-on-one spot. Um, Bogey had a had a play reviewed in which he kind of, I guess it was reviewed for a hostile act. He was actually the one that was fouled, but um, it was correctly not ruled a flagrant foul. That was a, kind of a weird review, especially because there was not one later on with Trey Young against Lance Stevenson. But the Hawks had a nice close to the first, sorry, to the third quarter to go back up by 12 after it got to six. They ended up winning that quarter, actually, despite not playing super well. But uh, again, not too comfortable along the way. The best stretch of the second half was this uh, was this 12-2 run. So they had an 8-2 run at the end of the third and then the first four points of the fourth quarter to go up by 16 points. So that went from you know basically up, up, up 6 to up 16, and it should have been over at that point. You could argue that it maybe was, but it wasn't like academic. Akago had a great steal and a nice one, uh, sort of easy bucket in transition. It was a nice play by him. They were up by 15, 16 points for like the first five minutes of the, of the fourth quarter. Um, Jalen had another dunk, uh, had a nice reverse layup. Um, Indiana got it back to 13 with like six minutes to go. And that's when Trey, Capella, and Herter came back into the game, which was kind of predictable. But Bogdanovich had been super, super hot at that point. In fact, he had 27 points on his first 14 shooting possessions, which is uh, ridiculous. It's almost two points per shot, which is obviously a good ratio. It felt comfortable-ish. But India got it to nine uh, within like the first, I don't know, minute after that. The Hawks missed four straight shots, had a turnover. It was a little bit shaky. Uh, there, then there was the play with Trey getting tangled up with Lance Stevenson that was uh, kind of a dangerous play by, by Stevenson. I'm not the biggest fan of Lance, to be honest with you, for a lot of reasons. But that wasn't reviewed. Probably should have been. And, and Trey, fortunately, there was nothing bad that happened there. It was sort of a dangerous kind of play in the open floor, but no da- no damage done. Um, the dagger was probably when Herter hit a three with like three minutes to go to go back up by, a, back up by 13. Uh, got a little bit too interesting down the stretch. Trey had a pretty bad turnover to go uh, lead to a sort of the league going, going down to nine points, but it was still nine or more for the final, I don't know, five, six, seven minutes. So it never got actually dicey and then ended up, ended up with a nine point final margin. So, um, you know, it was not a wire to wire dominance from the, from the Hawks. They were comfortable in the entire game. In fact, they led by at least six points basically from the middle of the first quarter on, which is solid enough. Um, as far as takeaways and some observations from this game are concerned overall, the offense was quite good. Now, even when you adjust for Indiana's bad defense, and it is bad, make no mistake, um, the Hawks had a 134 offensive rating in this one, and that is obviously comfortably good. Um, 55% from the floor in the game, 17 of 35, which I mentioned before, it was basically a tale of the hot start and then kind of so-so shooting from there. They were better in the fourth quarter for sure. They got to the line a lot late. They had 26 free throw attempts. Bogey took 10 on his own. Um, so they took eight more free throws than the Pacers, which obviously helps your efficiency. And they made 81% of them. That's obviously good. Um, they were excellent on the offensive glass in this game. They got more than 40% of the available rebounds in this one off of missed shots. So the Hawks only missed 40, sorry, 39 shots, and they had 13, 14 offensive rebounds, something like that. So they were very, very good on the offensive glass in this one. Capella had five, Bogey had three, uh, two for a Kong Wu, and then one each for Wright, uh, TLC, and Kevin Herter on the glass. Extra possessions are uh, paramount. The Hawks ended up taking the same amount of shots. Um, sorry, one less shot than the Pacers, but the Pacers also had eight for your free throw attempts. So a good ratio there overall. Um, 32 assists from Atlanta is an excellent figure. 
Um, I will say if you're trying to nitpick a little bit, it was the turnovers, 15 of those for the Hawks, which is not a terrible number, but the Hawks average only about 12 per game. So that's a little bit more than they usually would want to see. But it was a fast-paced game in some respects. Um, and the Hawks, you know, when, when, you, when you generate 32 assists, the 15 turnovers is a lot more palatable. More than 2-1 to one is all you want to see there from Atlanta. But overall, like, it was a pretty much excellent offensive performance. There were, like, a couple of little lulls for, like, three, four minutes at a time. But the rest of the game, it was very, very good across the board, especially when you factor in, like, the way that they accounted for Trey being blitzed and kind of making plays on the perimeter and of Capella and Okongwu finishing around the rim, Jalen Johnson finishing around the rim, et cetera. Um, defensively, it wasn't great, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh I will say Indiana's personnel in this game was better on offense than defense. So if you're trying to give a little bit of credence there to them, they made their shots. Indiana did make 47% of their threes, which some of that's the Hawks defense. Some of that's just, just, just good shooting. Buddy Hill's a great shooter. Um, Halliburton's a good shooter as well. So that's a little bit on Indiana. Credit to them for making shots. But they did shoot 52% from the floor and uh, 55% on twos, which are pretty bad numbers for a Hawks team that's trying to play defense and trying to win a game against a bad opponent. Um, Indiana didn't do a ton on the offensive glass, which is good for the Hawks. In fact, Atlanta got like 76% of defensive rebounds. That's pretty good. Um, kind of elite level stuff there. And only 36 points in the paint for the Pacers. So there were positives for sure. And I think that if you were trying to be honest about like whether the Hawks quote unquote earned a 128 defensive rating, I would probably say no to that. I think they were better than that overall, but it wasn't very good defensively. And I think the Hawks are lucky, maybe not super lucky, but somewhat fortunate. How do you want to put that, that the offense was as good as it was? Because, you know, there were times when the defense was pretty frustratingly bad, particularly um, at times when Capella was not out there on the glass, et cetera. So, um, you know, it was a perfect game by all means, but the Hawks did win and we're leading wire to wire. So you can't, can't really complain. Look, I've said this all the time. It goes both ways. When the Hawks lose a game on the road, I will say this. When they win a game on the road, I'll say this. There's nothing assured on the road in the NBA. Like the Pacers are bad. No question about that. In their current form, this is one of the worst teams in the league, full stop. But you still had to go on the road and win a game. And the Pacers were trying. It was not like they were packing it in. So uh, a nice little win here. And again, the headliner is going over 500 for the first time since December. So we'll touch on more of the game with, with some player observations as well as a look ahead to the standings and what's coming up next for the Hawks. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. NBA Top Shot is the official licensed NFT of the NBA, and you can connect with the passionate community of NBA fans across the globe and build your collection with your favorite moments from NBA history. NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, and also part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolving trading cards and made it a lot easier to navigate them because you can buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, shoe boxes, and binders. And their 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace lets you scroll through all of your favorite players and your favorite teams. Once you find something uh, in the moments that you're looking for, buy it in just a couple of clicks. And honestly, I hear all the time that why you buy something with, with, when you can just watch it on YouTube for free. And I get that. But I tell people all the time, it's not only about watching the highlights, but actually having ownership in the market of the NBA's greatest moments. And they have all you can access kind of unbuyable once a lifetime experiences through NBA Top Shot moments. Sign up for Top Shot today. And the best way to do that is to get yourself a starter pack. If you do that, you can get a moment of a superstar like LeBron or KD or Trey Young, if you're an Atlanta Hawks fan, or star rookies like Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, etc. for just $9 in that starter pack. Check it all out today and sign up at LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. That's LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. The auto world has so many makes and models these days, it's basically impossible for the local train store to stock all the car or truck parts that you could possibly need for your automobile. 
And really, do you want to actually endure all the questions for the person behind the counter who wants you to sell the brand? Their warehouse happens to carry behind that counter. Instead of doing that, rockauto.com is a much better option in your home, and there's access to it all across the world online at rockauto.com. Why spend more for the exact same auto parts for a chain store or a dealership when you order them at rockauto.com? And rockauto.com is a family business. It's been customers for more than 20 years at this point in time, and rockauto's prices are reliably low for each and every customer. They have everything that you possibly want for your car or your truck. That includes brake parts, tan lamps, motor oil, even carpet. And you can find it all in one place at rockauto.com today. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. And it's very searchable, very easy to use. And I definitely recommend it. From there, once you get to rockauto.com, write locked on in the box that asks you how you heard about rockauto.com so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we'll dive into the player evaluation portion of the podcast now. If you're a new listener, what I do usually after these games is talk about each and every guy who's in the rotation on some level with some depth, some deeper stuff on some guys, et cetera, but try to give you some overview on how they played in the game. Uh, the bench was quite good for Atlanta, plus minus wise, and also just effectiveness wise overall. The quietest game was probably Blue Williams. He had six points in 15 minutes. Um, played a little bit with Trey, which I don't always love, <laughs> to be honest, but had four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. It wasn't like he was bad. Um, didn't. I'll actually missed all three of his two-point shots in this one, but got to the line for four four attempts. Was totally fine overall in the game. Akam was pretty quiet as well. Five points in 17 minutes, had four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block, but did, did have some nice defensive plays. Again, had four fouls in 17 minutes. So uh, him and Akongwu, him and sorry, him and jo- him and Joe Johnson uh, were officiated like young guys. That's for sure in this one. But I thought Akongwu was fine. It wasn't like he played poorly, but uh, a little bit one, one of the quieter nights. I thought Jalen was good. In this game, 12 points on eight shots, um, a rebound, an assist, and a steal. Did have three turnovers, um, which is more than you would want for anyone, much less a guy playing 17 minutes. They had a block and a steal as well. Um, plus 16, I thought he was really active. McMillan kind of praised him. And I think the way that Nate put it after the game was that basically all they're asking him to do is bring energy, rebound, and just play. And I think that's, that, that was kind of became evident in this one. They're not doing a ton with him on offense, like sophisticatedly. Um, it's just one of those things where – he is so athletic and energetic and active that he's doing a lot of the stuff that they need at the four right now on offense, just kind of filling lanes, being a being a great athlete above the rim, um, rolling hard to the rim, rebounding, et cetera. Um, defensively, there were some moments that you would pick on for sure f- from me, but I think in general he was more active just kind of using his athleticism in this one and also just a little bit less ball watching. Um, I would say fewer breakdowns that I saw on tape in this one. It's not like he's perfect. People keep asking me that. I know they're not listening to the podcast every night and that's totally okay. But um, if anybody's not heard me say this, the reason why he's not played more this year, um, you can certainly argue with this. And I think I would on some level, particularly with how much, how much time Gallinari and Collins have missed is that he's a rookie and rookies are bad on defense. And I think McMillan values that more than most. So, I think that certainly he should be playing on a night when Gallinari is not uh, and, and Collins is already out. And that was the case here. It would have been maddening if he didn't play in this game. I also didn't mind him not starting. He played, he played 17 minutes. That's totally fine. Um, he had some great moments in this one. I thought he played quite well. I'm encouraged by the way he has been playing recently. He is still raw at this point. It's important to also remember that he's not playing a ton of, he's not playing a ton of basketball. Like obviously his rookie, his, sorry, his rookie season, freshman season at Duke was kind of a lost season in a lot of ways. He's put a lot of minutes in the G league, but um, it's different in the NBA for sure. When you're more of a role player than you, then he's sort of the guy in some ways for college park. So um, long story short, uh, I kind of made note of this on Twitter, but if you missed it, I got a couple of uh, you know, people that just think I've been too hard on him, and that's okay. Um, there was one that was particularly uh, vulgar in their 
DM'd me today about my Jalen stuff. But just as an overview and refresher, I love the Jalen Johnson pick. I was very high on it as someone who covers the draft a ton. I had him as a lottery pick in last year's draft. I believe that he's still a lottery talent. Um, that has not changed at all. I think he is still really, really impressive. Um, I'm not like, you know, ranting and raving about him not playing a ton so far this season, like Hawks fans are, and I totally get, get why they are. But um, as far as this game is concerned, I thought Jalen was a nice bright spot. I thought he finished well around the rim. There was one like really under control play where he could have tried to dunk it and didn't. It ended up kind of being a very sort of, again, controlled pinpoint reverse layup that ended up going down, had the five dunks as well. So, Lots of positives from the Hawks and uh, from Joe and Johnson in this game. To the starters. Oh, sorry. To the pseudo starter in Bogdanovich, who, who I forgot. Uh, 29 points for Bogey to lead all scores in this one. He was he was fantastic. It's a little bit weird. He's been questionable for three or four games in a row here, and he's still been playing great. But uh, I'm not sure what the health situation is, but he's making a lot of shots. Um, 8 of 14 from the floor, 5 of 7 from 3, 8 of 10 at the free throw line. So, uh, he was efficient everywhere. He had five rebounds, no assists, which is okay. But he even kind of joked after the game, or maybe maybe didn't joke after the game, that uh, Trey being blitzed the way that he is creates a ton of open shots for Bogey, and that's definitely the case. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs a little bit as well, but this is the kind of the uh, sort of antithesis of that. I, we saw Indiana's defense is just kind of crazy against Trey, so Bogey had all he could eat in this one. He made a bunch of shots and played very, very well. To the starters. Um the quieter ones were DeLon Wright and TLC, but not in a bad way. DeLon Wright had a DeLon Wright kind of game. Nine points, three steals, two blocks, two rebounds, and assist, and plus five in 31 minutes. Um, only took seven shots, but made made all three of his th- – sorry, made three out of four from two, one of three from three. Um, did his job. Did all the little things. Played good defense. Um, at least kind of bothered Halliburton at times, although he played well on offense. But uh, I thought he was, once again, quite good for DeLon. He's a supporting piece for sure, but uh, I was predicting him to play 30-plus minutes in this game. He did, and uh, he earned them. Uh, TLC, I thought, played well, particularly in the first half. Um, 13 points, four rebounds, two steals, and an assist. Um, three six from the floor, two of four from three, five six at the free throw line. Um, I've kind of made this like a kind of a bit at this point almost, but um, I've long thought TLC has been underrated by Hawks fans. It does not mean that he should be playing a ton. It does not mean that he should be, you know, the guy over Jalen Johnson. This is a separate discussion. I just think there's kind of this weird discussion about how bad, quote unquote, TLC is, and he's really not. He's totally fine. He played well in this game in the first half and uh, gave them good minutes and 30 minutes across the board. Um, we'll save Trey for the end because I thought his game was pretty interesting and pretty awesome. Uh, but Herder was awesome in this game as well. 22 points and six assists um, with only one turnover. That's a great night from Kevin. He was six of 10 from three. I love him taking 10 threes. I love him making six of them, obviously, but two of three on twos. Um, Really prolific, really good passing from Herter, just being aggressive, hunting a shot. And uh, if he makes six threes, then like good, good luck. From good luck trying to stop the Hawks if Herter's making shots like that. Uh, Capella was really good as well. 22 points, 15 rebounds in 31 minutes. Um, three assists as well. Some nice short roll passing from him. A couple of uh, pretty funny like sort of misses at the rim that he, he was able to rebound on his own. But still, 11 of 17, uh, you can't really argue with. That's 60-plus percent from the field. So that's uh, totally solid enough. And uh, a big scoring game from Clint. Um, and then finally, Trey Young. I, I think I tweeted that. I'm not sure what word I used, but I know I tweeted about this. I thought Trey was masterful in this game. I really did. And it's weird if you didn't watch the game to look at the box score and say, you know, Trey had 14 points on 15 shooting possessions, which is like way below his scoring average, way below his efficiency numbers. He was only two of nine on threes, although he did make two of four from two, uh, four, four, th- three throw line. But I thought he was under control the entire game. He had, he had the one bad turnover in the final minute or so, but he only had two the entire game and 16 assists, which is a season high and eight to one assist turnover ratio from Trey. He took what the defense gave him in this game. And I know there's there's pros and cons to that. Like sometimes you have to have your your guy, your star, 
take over as a scorer, but he didn't have to in this game. And I think he knew it the entire way. And also, this is not a small thing. You know, I thought Trey was pretty good on defense in this one. Like, he's never going to be Gary Payton, but I thought that it's probably, it's maybe not a coincidence in my mind because when he doesn't have to score a ton, he can use some energy on defense that he may not always use in defense. And I thought he was pretty scrappy, pretty active, had two steals, a bunch of deflections. He was getting in the way. Now, granted, he's, 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 he's defending Kiefer Sykes, and that's a pretty easy matchup or Lance or whatever. But still, I thought he played pretty well defensively in this game. So overall, it wasn't like it was uh, you know the best game of his career or anything like that because he had 14 points on 15 shots. But I thought Trey was really, really good, which is not um, – I mean, that's it's kind of impressive when you realize that he only had 14 points. But the passing was great, and defensively, he was much better than average um, in this spot, for, at, least, at least for his average, I should say. So from here, uh, the Hawks go uh, – actually, last thing I want to say before I moved on to look ahead. Uh, the standings are pretty tight for the Hawks right now, which is probably good given where they've been. Um, the Hornets did beat the Nets on Sunday, which is a big result in some ways, but then Charlotte lost to Denver tonight. So at the moment, Monday evening, March 28th, the Hawks are a half game behind Charlotte and only one game behind Brooklyn for the eight seed. Now, there was a moment in this and tonight when I was uh, people were starting to dream about Cleveland because Cleveland uh, was losing to Orlando and they have a bunch of injuries, um, but they're still four behind Cleveland. So I think the Hawks are still going to have to be uh, in that 8, 9, 10 range somewhere. There was a chance at seven um, if they had gotten the Cleveland result here. But, you know, down four with seven to play, you know, tough to, tough to ask that. I mean, it's not impossible, but let's just say it's not likely. Still... Uh, also worth noting that we'll, we'll touch on that later on when we, when we need to, but the Hawks actually, actually have the two-team tiebreaker over the Hornets right now. That could change in the future, but um, if they tie Charlotte, they'll have the advantage there. And uh, clearly with the Hawks struggles on the road this season, they would love to, even if they're in the 9-10, they'd love to be at home. No question about that. Obviously, you want to get 7-8 if you can't, they, they could do two chances. But if you were in the 9-10, having that first game at home is not a small thing for this Hawks team, given their struggles away from Atlanta. Um, with all that said, the Hawks' schedule is pretty Solid the rest of the way. Now, next on the agenda is Wednesday in Oklahoma City, and then it's a back-to-back at home against Cleveland on Thursday. That's a pretty tough turnaround. Going from Oklahoma City and an 8 o'clock start on Wednesday to a 7.30 tip on Thursday at home is tough. That's not a short drive. It's not a short flight at all from Oklahoma City. We'll touch on a little bit more of this in the future. But basically, there's seven games left for the Hawks. I think there's sort of like three categories of games, which I tweeted about a little bit today. But they have three more games where the Hawks should, like flat out should win, and that is the Thunder on Wednesday, then they play the Rockets at home, and then they play the Rockets. Sorry, they play the Wizards at home and the Rockets on the road in the final game of the season. And now Houston's got some talent, but they are not trying. And that's a game the Hawks, if they need to win it, should go out and be the better team. So that's three games where you cannot assume victory. I want to stress that you cannot assume victory in the NBA ever. But those are games where the Hawks are going to be solid favorites. Let's just say. Then they have three more. Uh, sorry, then they have two more that are like kind of coin flip games. Um, that's Cleveland at home on a back-to-back, and then you have Brooklyn at home on Saturday. Now, Brooklyn is probably better than the Hawks on paper, but that's the Hawks. The Hawks are at home with regular rest, and uh, that kind of levels the playing field on that one. Now, the Cleveland game, I think the Hawks are better than the Cavs right now. Cleveland's got a lot of injuries. They've been pretty ordinary for a long time, but that is a, that is a tough turnaround, and uh, the home court definitely helps, but that'll be a game that's like within a three-point point spread, point spread, I would imagine, either way. So kind of a coin flip game. Then they have two more games. They're probably going to be underdog spots. They have to go to Toronto and they have to go to Miami. And those two games, they're winnable for sure. Portland, they can definitely win those games, but they will not be favored on the road in those two spots. So um, the projection systems are kind of all over the place right now. With the win tonight, um, I'm looking at 5:30 right now because it updates in real time. They're projected to have 43 wins for the Hawks. That means they'd have to end five and two the rest of the way. 
which you know they might be favored in five games. Uh, I think four and three, five and two, something like that would be very reasonable for his for a projection for the Hawks right now. So all that said, like it's crunch time. Uh, the Hawks only have seven games remaining. The finale is next Sunday, so 13 days from now. Uh, a lot going on, but uh, lots of different matchup stuff that's happened, and we can sort of talk about this later on on the podcast when we get a little bit closer. But given the way that both Chicago and Cleveland are playing, if they get one of those teams, so here's the ideal scenario if you're the Hawks right now, I think realistically so. Uh, you play if you're if you're in the 9-10, you want to get Charlotte and you want to get you and you want to play at home. That's my opinion. Um, if that happens, you're probably playing the the loser of Nets and Cavs or Nets and Bulls in the 7-8 game. Um, you're rooting for that to not be the Nets. <laughs> uh, I would much rather play the uh, the Cavs or the Bulls. So I think if you're in the 9-10 as the Hawks right now, today, I'll, I'll sort of lay it down here. I would I think, I think the easiest possible path, if you are in the 9-10 for the Hawks, would be to play Charlotte at home in the 9-10 and then play a road game against Cleveland or Chicago. There you go. That's very, that's very, very manageable for Atlanta, and uh, obviously some optimism as a result. So that, that might change in the next week and a half. We'll touch on all of that throughout the next uh, 13 days. But that's sort of an overview right now. And again, the Hawks are back in action on Wednesday in OKC in a game where it'll be very similar to tonight in that the Hawks need to win that game. Oklahoma City is extremely injured and extremely bad and rebuilding and not trying to win, etc. Um, I'll give you a quick look right now just before we get out of here. I know I'm going long, but that's okay at the injuries that uh, the Thunder have at the moment. Um, Shea Ilgis Alexander is now out for the season. That was announced tonight. He's their best player by a wide margin. So that, that tells you one thing about the way that uh, Oklahoma City is going right now. But uh, I'm looking at the rest of their um, injury report. Darius Baisley is out. Lou, Dort's out. Lou Dort is out. Derek Favors is out. Josh Giddy is out. Ty Jerome is out. Trey, Trey Mann is out. Kenneth Williams is out. And uh, old friend Mike Muscala is out. So basically, I believe that's 10 Maybe nine or, nine or ten of their guys that are like their top 14 probably are out. Uh, it's a road game. Nothing's assured, but that's one where the Hawks should win, and we'll see how they fare on Wednesday. I've said a lot on this podcast. Thank you for listening to the show as always. One plea at the end of the podcast, and uh, I'll just be transparent. It would be awesome if you subscribe to the show on multiple platforms. If you enjoy the podcast and want to support me or just want to help the show or whatever you want to say about that, um, what I would say is the best way to do that is to subscribe on at least one audio platform, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, etc., and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm doing this podcast on video for the last couple of weeks. Um, not always uh, my my favorite and best medium, probably, but I'm doing my best on that, and it's very very helpful. I'm told by the higher ups if I get subscriptions and watch time on the YouTube channel as well. So do that just to support the podcast. If you're ever bored, just click around. Extra downloads are great. Extra clicks are great, etc. Also, uh, tell your friends about the podcast. I know there are lots of Hawks fans that have never heard of the podcast or that have never heard of the podcast even. Um, if they try the pod and don't like it, that's okay. I'm sure that's been happening at some point. But if they have never heard the podcast, I would implore you to help me out by sharing it with them. Give us a chance to uh, spread the word a little bit on the show. Also, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. And we'll see you later on in the week.